Neff and Trey Singleton, two big players for a regional champion. Matter of fact, how are we feeling right now, Peyton? Big, big 10 points in the first half. Oh, it feels great. Obviously, the team helped out a lot. Neff got it done. what was it like? You were helping two points in the first half, and then you guys came alive. Like, keep away in the fourth quarter, you come away with a big win. It was tough to work. When you came up with a win, that's all that matters. What does it feel like to not only win this in next school history, but also beating your rival? What's all the feelings going on right now? It's perfect. Couldn't get better. Everybody in Gurby County was here tonight, and we've been proud. No Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome. Welcome current listeners, new listeners. This is episode 14 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. It is Sunday. I am way behind on an episode this week, but I have a very good reason for it. As you heard in my intro, my high school, Meadowbrook High School, our basketball team made it to the final four in the Division II state tournament. It was, it's, honestly, it's just incredible. I, I still can't even believe it. We are the smallest school in Division Two. We're from Byesville, Ohio, if any of you know where that is. It's just incredible, man. It's just, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought we would have been in a position to compete for a state championship. It's incredible. And one of my best friends is the star player for our team, and I'm just so happy for him. It's been a dream of his to to do something like this. He's broken three records this year. He broke the 1,000-point mark for a career. He broke the three-pointers in a season mark, and he broke the record for points scored in a single season. It's incredible our team is just so great can't believe it man wow still can't believe it but i am so excited and we play in the final four against trotwood madison next friday so that's going to be great and that is at ohio state university man i that is just it's just crazy to me but since I am behind, let's go ahead and jump into the show. A lot going on in the NFL free agency. It's a, it's a frenzy right now in free agency. And right now it almost feels like the NBA. The NFL saw a slight raise in the cap by like $10 million, And now teams are spending money like out of the wazoo. Like it's crazy. I, it's crazy how a $10 million jump in cap can automatically make teams just spend a ton of money. Uh, but Malcolm Butler signed a five-year, $61 million contract with the Titans. Dion Lewis signed a four-year, $20 million contract with the Titans. Like that's a, that's a lot of money right there, gone. And Malcolm Butler is one of the top corners in the league. It's a great pickup for Tennessee because they have a bad secondary. Their secondary is not very good at all. So he's a great addition. 
And then Dion Lewis, I think, is a, is a fill-in for DeMarco Murray because they're going to ship DeMarco Murray out. Derrick Henry is going to be the feature back. And Dion Lewis will be their, their uh, change of pace back and passing situations. So I think that's a great pickup. Ndamukong Sue was cut by the Detroit Lions recently. And it makes sense. I'm sorry, not the Detroit Lions. Man, he used to play for the Lions. He got cut by the Miami Dolphins. My apologies there. But it makes sense for them because, you know, it frees up cap. He is aging. He's 30 years old. Uh, right now, the suitors for Sue are the Seahawks, the Titans, and the Cowboys. But I think the Cowboys are out on Sue. I've seen reports where they're interested in Sue, and then I've seen some where they are not going to pursue Sue. So uh, I don't know. But right now, I think the Titans and Seahawks are the front runners for Sue. The New York Giants. And man, the NFC just the NFC East keeps getting better and better. Uh, they landed Nate Soldier. Solder from the Patriots. Four years, $62 million deal. Highest paid offensive lineman in the league. That's that's crazy right there because Nate Solder is kind of up there in age. But he's been a pretty consistent offensive lineman over the years. So this, this gives Eli a lot more protection up front. And they'll start him at left tackle. And that means Eric Flowers... I would assume Eric Flowers is either going to get moved to guard or they'll just bench him because Eric Flowers is okay at best. He's not he's not great. And then Jonathan Stewart was also signed by the Giants to a two year deal, and I, that's a that's an improvement over to Orleans Darkwa. It's not like game changing, but it's an improvement. And I don't I don't know. Right now, I don't know if they would take Barkley if he was available at number two, but I, my guess is they would definitely take Saquon Barkley if the Browns passed on him at one and he fell to two. I, I do not think them signing Jonathan Stewart means they're out on Saquon Barkley if he's available. I think that's just dumb because Jonathan Stewart's not a star back. It's only a two-year deal. It's sort of like what the Cowboys did with Alfred Morris. They signed Alfred Morris to a two-year deal. Then they drafted Zeke. So I have a feeling this is going to be a similar situation. You sign Jonathan Stewart, two-year deal, bring in Saquon, and you have Jonathan Stewart back him up. So I, I feel like that's what the situation is. And then the Redskins, they're getting Paul Richardson, and that improves a really bad receiving core. Alex Smith will actually have a, a really good receiver to throw to because Terrell Pryor is gone. They lost Garcon and Deshaun Jackson a year ago. Uh, Josh Doxton is all right. They don't really have any receivers to throw to. So Paul Richardson is a massive upgrade. He was the number two receiver in Seattle, but he'll be the number one in Washington with Alex Smith throwing the ball to him. And Alex Smith is, does a good job of spreading it around and so Paul Richardson should be great in Washington. And then the Jaguars. I don't know where they get, they get their money from. They, they have a ton of money 
They signed Austin Safarian Jenkins, tight end from the Jets, to a two-year, $10 million deal. That's not a lot of money, but great tight end. Very, I think, undervalued and underappreciated for what he does out there. I would say he's probably a top 10 tight end in the league, to be honest with you. I don't have a list, but I would think right now he's top 10. And then they signed guard Andrew Norwell to a five-year, $66 million deal. And by signing Norwell, they let go of their best receiver, Allen Robinson. And I applaud teams that go for offensive linemen over skill players. Because to be able to throw the ball, you got to have protection. And Andrew Norwell is one of the best guards in the league. And then they re-signed Marquise Lee, receiver, to a four-year, $34 million contract. So that's a good re-signing there. And they're keeping most of their team together. And they didn't have Allen Robinson hardly at all last year. So, you know, it's, it's not like they're missing a lot. It would be great to still have him. But right now, the... The Jaguars are looking really, really good, even better than they did last last year. And then, like I said, Allen Robinson was let go by the Jaguars, and he signed a three-year, $42 million contract with the Chicago Bears. That is huge for Mitch Trubisky. They also signed Taylor Gabriel from the Falcons. That is big time for Trubisky because that gives him great weapons on the outside. Because he had a horrible receiving core last year of like Kendall Wright, Dontrell Inman, and gosh, I can't even name a third. And they also signed Trey Burton, tight end from Philadelphia Eagles, their backup. And he is a very good tight end for a backup tight end. He is a starting quality tight end. So Trubisky is getting a plethora of weapons to work with. I am really excited to see what the Bears look like. I think they're going to be a a very good team within the next couple years. They got Jordan Howard. They have a very good offensive line. Their defense is a little weak on in the secondary, but draft a guy like Denzel Ward, and you know that would be great. That'd be that'd be fantastic for the Bears. And so with them signing those receivers, I don't I don't think they're gonna draft a receiver now because a lot of mock drafts had them taking like Calvin Ridley or Cortland Sutton early in the draft, and now I don't I don't think that's gonna happen now. Uh, I think they'll they'll likely go corner or maybe offensive lineman to improve that already great offensive line. So yeah, I think they, they can be a really great team here in the next few years. And then Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford is now going to the Arizona Cardinals on a one-year deal worth $20 million. And they let go of Tyron Matthew, also their, their star safety Tyron Matthew, after he refused to take a pay cut. So basically what this looks like to me is that the cards cut Probably their best defensive player and one of the best young safeties in the league. 
to sign Sam Bradford. <laughs> they cut one of the best safeties to sign Sam Bradford. Bradford is a serviceable quarterback. He's not bad. But he's he's an injury waiting to happen. I would have rather just drafted a quarterback at 15 or trade up if you don't think you can get one of them. Draft a guy like Baker Mayfield or Josh Allen or Rosen, somebody. I'd much rather do that than sign Bradford to $20 million. Bradford is not worth $20 million. He is not worth $20 million. Signing him to $20 million, it totally kills you in terms of flexibility in your cap. No wonder why you couldn't keep Tyron Matthew. If you draft a quarterback, maybe you can keep Tyron Matthew. You don't have to sign Bradford to a $20 million contract. Albeit one year, but you could have kept Tyron Matthew and drafted a quarterback. And with Matthew gone, Matthew just signed a one-year deal with the Houston Texans. So that's big for the Texans because they're already an up-and-coming team with Deshaun Watson. So that's really, really good for them. And Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins was probably a top, probably the second best receiver on the market in free agency. And he signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Dallas Cowboys were also in the mix for Watkins, but he signed with the Chiefs. And now Pat Mahomes has Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, and Travis Kelsey to play with. It's great. I think it's great when a young quarterback can walk into a system with all of that help because it takes all the pressure off of him. He's got all that help around him. It's kind of like what with Dak Prescott when he was a rookie. He had Zeke running the football. He had a great offensive line. Dez is a top receiver in the league, even though he had a, he's had a down couple years. Jason Witten is a big-time security blanket, one of the most consistent tight ends in football. And their defense was sort of a bend-don't-break defense, so it kind of it, it really took a lot of pressure off of Dak. And it's the same thing in Kansas City, except Kansas City has got a lot more weapons to work with. And then remember, we talked about Richard Sherman being cut by the Seattle Seahawks. Well, he signed a three-year, $27 million deal with the 49ers of all teams. So that's going to leave a bad taste in the Seattle Seahawks' mouth, letting him go to a division rival. That's going to leave a bad, sour taste. And the 49ers also added Jarek McKinnon for four years, $30 million. That, give, that uh, gives him a great dual threat back. He was great in Minnesota. Big-time dual threat, can, can run, and can... He's one of the best ca pass catchers out of the backfield. So that's great. And right now, the, the 49ers are my dark horse to get to the Super Bowl this year in the NFC. I really like them. Plus, they also have a top 10 pick in, in the draft. And they, they still have a lot of money to work with. So they're looking really good right now. And they're my dark horse to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Now, Jimmy Graham... 
Jimmy Graham is signing with the Green Bay Packers. And this kind of this deal kind of came out of nowhere because everyone thought he was going to go reunite with Drew Brees in New Orleans where he was arguably the best tight end in football and like the best receiver in football with his ability to just go up and get balls with anyone on him. That's what we all thought was going to happen. But no, he decides to join the best quarterback in football in Aaron Rodgers, which is always a great choice. So that gives that gives Aaron Rodgers a big target to work with, a big weapon. And the and the Packers also cut Jordy Nelson. He was getting a little old. He had some injury problems. But that takes a weapon away from Rodgers. But Jordy Nelson then quickly signed with the Oakland Raiders. So the Raiders got better. Or did they? Because the Raiders cut Michael Crabtree to sign Jordy Nelson. And it doesn't, make, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me because, number one, Nelson's older. Number two, Crabtree's better. I don't know what the Ra- Raiders were thinking about from that standpoint. Jordy Nelson's still a, a good receiver, but Michael Crabtree's better, let's be honest. So, you can look at it as kind of like it evened itself out, but really, I think they lost a little bit by cutting Crabtree and signing Jordy. And then, after the Raiders cut Crabtree, Crabtree went and signed with the Baltimore Ravens. And that's that's big for Joe Flacco, because Joe Flacco does not have any good weapons. Has no receivers. His best receiver was Mike Wallace, and they just cut him. So Crabtree gives him a very, very, very good target, good weapon to work with. So that's great for the Ravens. I don't think it changes their fate in the NFC or the AFC North, but it'll certainly help them out a little bit. And now the Browns, back in the news after they made all their their trades and whatnot. They signed Carlos Hyde to a three-year, $15 million deal. And Isaiah Crowell went to the Jets, by the way, but that's kind of unrelated. But Hyde to the Browns makes no sense to me. And it makes no sense for the Browns. I, th- I thought the plan would be to take Saquon Barkley at number one. But... Now that they have Hyde, I don't I don't think Barkley's gonna go number one now. Because Hyde's too good of a running back to sign and then not start. So now I think the Browns are either gonna go defense or quarterback with that number one pick. And then take the other at four or vice like vice versa. They take defense one, quarterback four, or quarterback one, defense four. So that's probably what they'll do now. But it it doesn't make any sense to me. It absolutely does not make sense at all. By drafting Barkley, you get a potential star for relatively cheap because he's a rookie. Rookie deals don't cost that much. 
and it's cheaper than what you're paying for Carlos Hyde right now. Plus, Hyde is a little bit injury prone, so I don't really understand it. Hyde is a good running back, but you could have had Saquon Barkley. If Saquon pairing with Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry, that is a heck of a big three on offense. Also, David Njoku at tight end, like that's a heck of a big three. And if the Browns go out and sign Terrell Pryor, they've got Corey Coleman. That would have looked great. Now, Carlos Hyde isn't, isn't much of a downgrade, but the upside with Saquon Barkley is much higher than it is with Carlos Hyde. So we'll see what happens with that. And perhaps the biggest news of free agency, the big fish. Kirk Cousins signed a three-year, $84 million deal with the Vikings. And that deal is fully guaranteed. So he will get 28 a year no matter what. This is, uh, this is unprecedented. We have never had a fully guaranteed deal worth that much money for a quarterback. And I, I think the Vikings got played here. I think, they, uh, I think they did. Cousins is an average to above average quarterback in my opinion. He makes a lot of mistakes and, and sometimes plays down to his competition. And I don't think he's much better than Case Keenum, to be honest. The Vikings could have re-signed Keenum for much cheaper and still be in control of the NFC North. I think the Vikings were scared. I think they were scared because Aaron Rodgers is coming back. He's coming back from injury. And... and Aaron Rodgers and the Pack in Green Bay are coming back for that that division title. And they got scared of that, and so they went out and got the best quarterback on the market who's only slightly better than the quarterback that got you to the NFC Championship and was one bad game away from the Super Bowl. And the Vikings hogtied themselves financially. $84 million guaranteed is a lot. Twenty-eight a year. That's a ton. You could have paid Keenum around sixteen to eighteen a year and been a lot more flexible with the cap. You could have been a lot more flexible and signed more free agents this year and for years to come. And speaking of Case Keenum, Case Keenum signed with the Denver Broncos. And I like this for the Broncos a lot more than, than the Broncos drafting a quarterback because I absolutely do not trust John Elway to draft a quarterback. I don't. He will pick the wrong quarterback. Because I, I, don't, I don't know if all of those quarterbacks are going to be great in the NFL. I don't, I don't know if Darnold's going to be great. I don't know if Rosen or Allen or Baker or Lamar Jackson is going to be great. We don't know. I'm sure there's bound to be one of one bust out of those five quarterbacks. And knowing John Elway's luck, he'll pick the wrong one. He will pick the bust. Paxton Lynch was supposed to be the second best quarterback in his draft, and he ended up turning out to be a bust. He can't even get on the field. He can't even practice. He doesn't know offense at all. 
so I, I don't trust Elway to draft a quarterback at all. And Keenum keeps them flexible. He keeps them flexible financially. And he gives them good quarterback play for a few years. And a chance to win their division in a really, really tough division. Because the Chargers are always tough. And the Chiefs are always tough. And the Raiders are going to be back this year. That is probably the toughest division in football to win. The only thing about the Broncos is that their defense is aging. So the window for a championship is extremely short with this current roster. But I, I do like Keenum in Denver for a few years. I, I don't think that's going to last long-term. He is 30. I don't think it's going to be a long-term. They signed him to a two-year deal. I I still think there's a possibility the Broncos could draft a quarterback. Maybe to sit behind Keenum for a few years, and then once they let Keenum go, you you have a guy like Allen or Baker to develop. So I can see them either I, I can see them taking a quarterback with that number five pick still. Now if they trade back, I think that's a pretty good indicator they won't take a quarterback. And if they don't take a quarterback, they need defensive back because Akib Talib was traded away. So they don't have another corner to fill in. And everyone else on the defense is kind of old. So we'll see how that goes. But their window is closing with Keenum. And now the Seahawks, they've... Like I've talked about before, they've blown up their roster. They have blown up their entire defense. And right now, the Cowboys and the Seahawks are in talks for a blockbuster trade for Earl Thomas. This would be great for the Cowboys if they could get Earl Thomas. This would be outstanding because it gives them a playmaker on the defense who's arguably the best safety in football. And it makes it that Earl Thomas could put Dallas over the top in the NFC. I am not kidding. And Dallas freed up $7.5 million by restructuring Travis Frederick's deal, so they're, they're creating the room for this. Thomas said if he was traded to the Cowboys, he wants to sign long-term. Seattle wants a first and a third rounder. I, I don't think the Cowboys should give up a first. Certainly not this year's first. With the way this, this class is loaded, I, I would... Maybe trade next year's first. But if Jarvis Landry is worth a fourth and a seventh, then Thomas can't be worth much more than that. I, I would say a second round pick maximum for O. Thomas. This is a trade I would consider if I was the Dallas Cowboys. I would do... David Irving, this would be tough to give up David Irving, who is one of the up-and-coming defensive tackles in football. But to get Earl Thomas, I think you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit. You trade David Irving, you give them the third-round pick they want, and then maybe you throw in a seventh and you get Earl Thomas. And then what you do with your draft pick this year 
is you draft Daron Payne from Alabama at 19. That deal makes a lot of sense to me. Another thing you could do is maybe you could throw in Byron Jones instead of instead of David Irving. Or maybe you could do one of the other young corners. I wouldn't do Jordan Lewis or Chidobia Woozy, but I would do Anthony Brown, possibly. There were talks that Orlando Skandrick could have been a part of the trade, but they cut Skandrick. So that's not going to happen. So I, I really... I am really intrigued by this, and I am interested to see where the Cowboys and the Seahawks go with this trade, or if maybe Earl Thomas is traded somewhere else. And then, perhaps the biggest news of draft and just off-season coverage so far of the NFL is a trade between the Colts and the Jets to move up in the draft. The Colts and the Jets swapped the third and sixth picks, and then the Jets also traded three second-rounders to the Colts. This is a severe overpay. A severe overpay just to move up three spots in the draft. It's a great deal for the Colts. They, they got a steal with this. They robbed the Jets. Three second-rounders. Two of them are this year and one's next year. That is massive. And really, the only thing I can compare it to is last year's draft when the Niners and the Bears were sitting at 2-3, and three and the Bears traded a package of draft picks to move up from 3-2 to two to take Mitch Trubisky, which I thought was a complete heist by the 49ers, because I don't think the 49ers had any intention of drafting Mitch Trubisky at number 2. I think they did that. I think they, I think they called the Bears and said, hey, we're taking Mitch Trubisky at, at number two if you do not make a trade with us. Obviously bluffing. And the Bears unloaded a bunch of picks. And then the 49ers dropped down one pick and got the guy they wanted on defense. So that's the only thing I can compare it to. And I think I'm pretty sure that three second rounders is a lot more than the Bears gave up to move up one spot. So that's that's incredible. But now with all this shakeup and free agency and, and trading draft picks, I'm going to give you my third mock draft of what I think is going to happen. Number one, the Browns, Sam Darnold quarterback USC that makes the most sense to me because now they have Hyde I don't think they're going to take Saquon number one now I, I just I don't think it's going to happen so they're going to they're going to take Sam Darnold at one they're going to sit him behind Tyrod Taylor for a few years and then we'll see where that goes number two the Giants absolutely cannot pass up on Saquon Barkley this is exactly what I was telling you earlier the Cowboys signed Alfred Morris to a two-year deal then that draft drafted Ezekiel Elliott and then had Alfred Morris back up Zeke. This is the exact same situation in New York. They signed Jonathan Stewart to a two-year deal. Go out and draft Saquon Barkley. Have him back him up. Have Stewart back up Barkley. That is a, the identical situation of what's going on here in New York. And I think that is the most likely scenario. Number three, the Jets trade up. And oh, and another thing about this trade with the Jets 
them trading up obviously means they're taking a quarterback. But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because they signed Teddy Bridgewater to a one-year deal. I forgot to, to mention that in my, earlier in the show. Why, why sign Teddy Bridgewater and also re-sign Josh McCown to a one-year deal if you're going to move up and take a quarterback? I think Teddy Bridgewater is fine. And obviously, I know why they signed him to a one-year deal. It's because of his health. They don't know how he's going to play with that knee injury. Makes sense. Then why would you trade up to take a quarterback? You gave up a ton of assets to move up three spots. And you're going to take a quarterback when you just signed one. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But they obviously traded up to take a quarterback. So I'm going to say the Jets take Josh Rosen at three. And your guess is as good as mine with who starts on that team. I don't know if it's going to be McCown. I don't know if it's going to be Bridgewater. And I don't know if it's going to be Rosen or any other quarterback they take. Number four, the Browns, Saquon's gone. They already got a quarterback, so I think they're going defensive back here. By the way, they also traded their best corner, McCourty, to the Patriots. So now Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty are on the Patriots, the two brothers. So I don't know how that happened. I don't know why they did that. But I think that obviously means they're going to they're draft a defensive back here at number four. And I think Minka Fitzpatrick is the way to go here for the Browns. Easily the best defensive back in the draft. Replaces McCourty, but I thought they would have paired McCourty and Minka together. But now it's going to be Minka and Demarius Randall. So, not bad. But Browns take Minka at four. And then the Broncos. The Broncos, I, I, I'm not really sure what to make of their... I'm not, I'm not really sure what they're going to do here because they signed Keenum to a two-year deal. They need help on defense. I can see them either taking a corner like Denzel Ward here. I can see them taking an edge rusher, Bradley Chubb, and I can see them taking a quarterback. I am not really sure what they're going to do. It's a very, very confusing situation I find myself in looking at the Broncos. So I think they're going to take a quarterback here. I think they're going to take Josh Allen at five. And like I said earlier, he's going to back up Keenum for a few years because I don't think Case Keenum is permanent. I don't think he's going to be long-term. Only, only two-year deal. So Keenum will play for two years. Josh Allen will develop. And we'll see what we got. Number six I th like a lot of mock drafts have the Colts taking Bradley Chubb. And I think that's very possible. Very possible. Can definitely see it happening. But the Colts also need offensive line help badly. So badly they need offensive line help. So because Andrew Luck gets hurt every year like it's I don't know I don't know what it is about Andrew Luck, but he gets hurt every year and he needs protection. He is the most sacked quarterback in the league every year. Statistically, he is. So I think they're I think they need to go offensive lineman here. They need protection for Andrew Luck. They can get defense later in the draft because the draft is loaded with linebackers and, and you can move a linebacker to the edge. 
So I think they're going to take Quentin Nelson guard from Notre Dame here. I think they need to protect Andrew Luck. Quentin Nelson is probably the best offensive lineman in the draft. you got to take him here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers need, need secondary help. They need, they need pass rushers. I think they're going to go Bradley Chubb here from NC State. In need of a major pass rush. They do not have a good pass rush at all. Bradley Chubb makes the most sense here. Unless the Colts were to take them ahead. I don't know, but I think the Colts take Nelson and then the Bucks take Chubb at 7. Number 8, the Bears. Originally, I would have said a guy like Calvin Ridley or Cortland Sutton. But now they have Allen Robinson and they have Taylor Gabriel locked up. And they have Trey Burton at tight end, so they don't need any skill positions on offense. They are great. Offensive line is a top O-line in the league. Corner is one of their weak areas, so I think they're going to go Denzel Ward out of Ohio State. It's a me an immediate upgrade, and I think he can have an impact like Marshawn Lattimore did with the Saints, potential defensive rookie of the year candidate. So I think that's what they'll do there. And then the 49ers... And number nine, they've got Richard Sherman at corner. So that's already an immediate upgrade, probably a top three corner in the league when healthy. So, and their front seven is great. They've got a quarterback in Jimmy G. They, they could go receiver here. They don't have a lot of receivers, but I think what they'll do is assure up the defense first because there's plenty of receivers in the draft too. Later on, there's Simi Cobbs, James Washington, Dante Pettis, a lot of guys. Christian Kirk, a ton of receivers. It's the, the class is loaded with defense and receivers. So I think they're going to go safety here. Derwin James out of Florida State. The possible second coming of Jalen Ramsey just at the safety position. though. So that makes the most sense to me. And then number 10, the Raiders. Roquan Smith. Linebacker is their weakest position on defense. Offensively, they're fine. They've got Jordy Nelson, Amari Cooper, Jared Cook, Derek Carr, a good offensive line. Marshawn Lynch is their featured back. They have Doug Martin backing them up. They signed Doug Martin. So defensively, they need a linebacker. Roquan Smith fits the bill. So that is my mock draft 3.0. The draft is coming up late in April, and I am excited for that. I am so pumped for that. And then, now, enough of NFL talk. We are on to March Madness. It has been insane this year. Insane. And the biggest upset in the history of March Madness. A number 16 seed has never ever beaten a number one seed in the NCAA tourney until a couple of days ago. Number 16, UMBC shocks number one, Virginia. First time ever a number 16 seed beat a number one seed. That is incredible. They beat them by 20 points. Virginia is a an exceptional team defensively, and they went out and whooped them. Oh, it was crazy. 
I got a notification on my phone saying, could UMBC do it? Could they knock out Virginia? And I'm like, oh, they're probably leading by one or two, like late in the second half or something, probably like 10 minutes left. Click on the game. They're up by like 18 with like five minutes left. I'm like, holy crap. This is incredible. What an amazing story. And then Loyola Chicago, another Cinderella team, 11 seed, is into the Sweet 16 after two buzzer beater victories over Miami and Tennessee. Loyola Chicago is an outstanding story. Incredible story. And I am really rooting for them to keep going in this tourney. And my last perfect bracket, I had Loyola Chicago beating Miami in the first round. And I was watching that game. They were down one. With about 10 seconds left, they came down and made a three to win the game. And I was jumping up and down, so excited. And then later on, Ohio State lost because I had South Dakota State beating them. And I lost another game to, I believe it was Buffalo and Buffalo and Arizona. Yeah, Buffalo shocked Arizona. Arizona was in a lot of people's Final Fours. So that kind of threw a monkey wrench in everybody's brackets. Obviously, sorry, I'm going off there. Uh, obviously, the biggest upset, though, was UMBC over Virginia. That totally screwed everyone's brackets. And obviously, there's no perfect brackets left. In case you guys haven't figured that out. And anyone who picked UMBC in a legitimate bracket, not like an all-upset bracket, but just in a legitimate bracket, anyone who picked UMBC over Virginia is a wizard. Is just a, a lucky wizard. I don't know how you pick that. Like, legitimately. I don't know how you seriously pick UMBC over Virginia. I actually saw a bracket where someone, the only game someone got wrong in the first round wasn't Virginia UMBC. It was Oklahoma, Rhode Island. Like, are you are you kidding me? How do you pick UMBC and the only game you get wrong is Oklahoma? Gosh, it's insane. And speaking of Oklahoma, they lost in the first round to Rhode Island, like I just said, and they proved why they should not have been in the tournament. It should have been a team like USC or or Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State beat them twice. No way Oklahoma should have been in the tourney. No way. But I am really excited to see what else is to come in this tournament. Really rooting hard for UMBC and Loyola Chicago. Right now, my final four predictions, and I'm not sure if there are games going on today or not, but right now I'm going to lay down a final four prediction. This is probably going to be all wrong, but I'll do Cincinnati, North Carolina, Villanova, and Kansas. I think that's going to be my final four prediction. You heard it here first. Mark it up. And we'll see when we get to the final four if I'm right. And obviously we'll do weekly updates on that. I'm going to talk about this every week until the tournament's over. But man, what a crazy, crazy tournament. Number 16 over number one. That's incredible. But anyways, that's it for me, guys. 
Uh, next week is going to likely be a similar situation to this week because, like I said earlier, my high school was just made it to the Final Four in the basketball Division II state tourney, which is why I was late on the episode this week. And they're playing this Friday in the Final Four. And then if they win, they play Saturday in, in the state championship. So if they're playing on Saturday, I likely will not get an episode out until next Sunday again. So I just wanted to let you guys know that. So I will probably talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks for listening, guys. It's WFS. From the Harlem Globetrotters yeah. JD gonna lead us to a ring Fab and Bow Wow's the only players That make cheerleaders wanna sing When the Lakers won titles back to back yeah. Didn't give nobody no kind of slack When Vince Carter came, stuck his arm in the rim Everybody went crazy in the whole damn gym uh-huh. Dikembe Mutombo standing tall Playing D with desire, it's basketball Sing yeah.